Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, we're doing great, and just want to make a little announcement here that we do like to put the podcast out on a Tuesday, but because of Ryan's uh, business... He had to go to Nantucket. I did. I had to go to Nantucket. And so, you know, and uh, and so here we are on a Thursday, uh, just so excited about a double portion, Ryan. Yeah, we are. We are excited about a double portion. And uh, the elephant in the room today is a tiny little thing called the coronavirus. Uh, everyone has, uh, I don't know, everybody's running all willy-nilly, all freaked out by this, uh, this coronavirus that's going around. There's the hashtag going, flatten the curve, you know. Uh, social, Which is true. That helps. It does. Social distancing, all the all the good stuff. Um, but uh, we turned off the news and uh, we turned to the Word of God. And so I have some some encouragement for you guys that I hope um, you guys will receive. And just know that God is in control. These things must come to pass. We knew they were coming. So when they do happen, let's not act surprised. So uh, Psalm 91, I'm going to read this over you guys and I want you just to receive this in your spirit. Uh, because this is truth. This is right out of God's Word. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. That's Psalm 91. It is a great psalm to read, uh, especially in your daily quiet time. Receive that in your spirit. Pray it over the world. Pray for the people that um, you know are being affected. Uh, pray for uh, you know those who are who are sick and recovering. Um, you know here in Florida, I think we what was it a, a total of what three hundred something cases uh, out of twenty million people, about three hundred something cases so That's far. Right. 
And so, uh, you know, praise God, it hasn't uh, spread, you know, much here, but you know what? I think we're doing well, um, and I think that we just need to continue to pray. If we do anything, uh, prayer, you know, you're not going to get any viruses from prayer, for sure. So, um, other announcements that we have going on, you should also talk about Matthew 24. At some point, if, uh, if you guys come to service uh, this Shabbat, the service uh, message is going to be on... What to do with the fences. What to do with the fences. So straight out of Matthew 24, Yeshua is talking about what to expect in the last days. Um, I don't mean to uh, burst your bubble, but we are definitely in the last days. I know that might be a spoiler alert for some yeah, of you. Yeah, Yeshua in Matthew 24 actually makes reference to there'll be pestilence in the last days. He does. Uh, and of course, even uh, earthquakes in diverse places. So there'll be a pestilence everywhere, and then of course, earthquakes everywhere. Right. Scattered throughout. So... Uh, people want to know that if this is a judgment or not. Well, you could say yes or no, but the bottom line is that there will be a pestilence. We've had Ebola. You had, of course, years ago the Spanish flu, the uh, bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. So uh, Swine flu, SARS, the avian flu. But anyway, so once again, uh, it's a pestilence. In the Greek, it means disease. Yeah. You can look it up. So uh, that's that's really the, uh, the statement to, to bring up the conversation. So. Yep, absolutely. So, um, you know, we just pray blessings over you guys. Stay safe, you know, follow whatever, you know, the agencies in your area um, have, you know, provided as guidelines um, for, you know, social distancing and things like that. I would recommend that if possible that you uh, still support your local small businesses. A lot of the restaurants and stuff are going to get hit pretty hard. So if uh, if you have the resources, then to, you know, uh, order takeout or delivery, um, is, a is definitely a recommendation, but, uh, other than that, hunker down, you know, hopefully you have enough supplies to last you and all that kind of stuff. Um, although it's not like a hurricane, you can still go outside and I do recommend going outside, getting fresh air, getting sun. Um, there's nothing like, uh, the sun for unlocking the key to your immune system. So, all right, we are moving on. We have bah, 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 a double portion for you today. How exciting is that? So we have two portions that we're going to go over today. That is, uh, the first one is uh, Vayachel, which is, uh, and he assembled. And the second one is Pekudei, which is reckonings. Um, Vayachel is uh, chapter 35, verse 1, through chapter 38 and verse 20. And uh, Exodus, um, Pekudei, sorry, is uh, Exodus chapter 38 and verse 21. And ending at the end of Exodus, closing it out with chapter 40 and verse 38. So once again, a quick review here of the book of Exodus. This is through Jensen's survey of the Old Testament. The book of Exodus is the book of redemption. It is the book of redemption. Oh, and by the way, in just less than three weeks is Pesach, the Feast of Passover. So how relevant is that uh, as we prepare for Passover? So Exodus is the book of redemption. And a key word found in the book of Exodus is the word deliver. The word deliver. A key expression is as the Lord commanded Moses, Ooh, you know, so he commands yeah. Beit or Pastor Nick. So the Lord gives us commandments as the Lord commanded Moses. It's funny, you know, when people ask you about how come you don't eat pork chops? Well, you know, the Lord has commanded not to eat that. Yeah. And you just kind of work your way into that. And it's, it is a choice. Thus you know? saith the Lord. So uh, and also just to let you know that uh, the book of Exodus is an incredible book. Uh, it starts with a groan. And it ends in glory, from groan to glory. 40 chapters, and it's broken up into two parts. Uh, chapters 1 through, of course, 18 is about deliverance. Chapters 19 through 40 is about worship and instructions. And so once again, 
we see some incredible things happening. We see the law, the pattern, and the construction in chapters 19 through 40, and we see God's glory manifested in worship. So there you are in the book of Exodus. There's a little intro there. So we're going to jump right into uh, this particular Torah portion, Vayichel, and he assembled. And I'm going to have Ryan read. We're going to read just a little bit here. A small portion about the Shabbat, right out of the gate, Exodus chapter 35, verses 1 through 3. All right. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. So we have some regulations uh, for the Sabbath. Just a reminder that it is the fourth commandment found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 11. It is the fourth commandment. And of course, uh, anybody who violated the, the Sabbath, uh, they would be put to death. Uh, Exodus 35, verse 2. So once again, they would be put to death. So the judgment for not keeping the Sabbath is greater than not keeping the rest of the feasts. Uh, if you don't keep the feast days other than Shabbat, you are basically excommunicated or put outside the camp, cut off from the commonwealth of Israel. So that's interesting. Just a little reminder here in regards to the uh, Shabbat or Sabbath. It is a sign of the Mosaic Covenant. Amen. You can find this in Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 16. So when we keep the Sabbath, we're actually, uh, actually it's a sign of the Mosaic Covenant, which would make sense because he's writing Torah on minds and hearts. Amen. How could you say, hey, I believe in the Torah and you're not keeping Shabbat? Yeah. It's the sign of the covenant, just like the sign for the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. So once again, uh, and of course, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. There you go. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, words in red with Yeshua. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Oh, how hard it is for us to settle down on Friday night, shut everything down and get focused on the Shabbat and that week's Torah portion. Boy, I tell you, if we ever needed the Shabbat, it's, it's even now in this crazy world as we're constantly wanting to be stimulated instead of settling down. Yeah, amen. And so once again, a, a principle is here, and, and they say, well, you know what? That's the law. It's been done away with, blah, blah, blah. But remember, we're about the principle, the principle. So six days of creation by God, and he rested on the seventh day. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and read those three verses uh, in regards to this beautiful principle. Uh, and I love it. It's just like even the tithes and offerings are giving. Uh, it's a principle. It has nothing to do with the temple or a tabernacle, but it's a principle. So let's check out the principle of the Shabbat in the story of creation. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So which yeah. day did he, did he sanctify? The seventh. Okay. You know, uh, it's interesting because people are always asking me, well, how do you keep Shabbat? What do you do? Well, first of all, it's a day that is sanctified and set apart. So on that particular day, there should be a change in your lifestyle or, or in your scheduling, uh, your itinerary. 
and like I said, uh, basically it's a day that is set apart, sanctified. So uh, just like we like to, you know, get off our phones and the, and the television or the iPads, we put all that away. And what we do as a family is we have our dinner and we do the blessings and everything. We, we do that. And we sing Shabbat Shalom. And then we'll, do, we'll read the Torah portion in the living room and kind of go over it. So that's kind of like our little ritual, you know. And, uh, and so once again, uh, Ryan, what, what does your family like to do on Shabbat? What's a typical Shabbat at the Cabrera's? Um, well, the typical Shabbat for us is, is very similar, right? So the family comes together, you know, we, um, we have a, a, our prayers and whatnot to kind of enter into the Shabbat and uh, just kind of get our minds and our hearts focused on the right things, you know, kind of separating from the common and, and entering into the holy, uh, separating the Shabbat. And then we usually have a, a meal. Um, and then, you know, usually family activities, right? Sometimes we'll do Bible trivia, which the kids love Bible trivia. Sometimes we'll do some praise and worship. Um, a lot of times we'll even do some dancing, uh, since we've been at Beit Tehillah, obviously dancing's kind of become a, a thing. And then sometimes we throw all that stuff into the mix. It all depends on, you know, how much energy we have and, you know, what all's going on. Gotcha. If there's a two year old screaming or not. We usually start around 7.15. Yeah. We usually start, you know, it depends on the, the season for us. I don't think we ever start early. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to say. We do. Yeah. Well, you know, now that sunset's later. Yeah. It's we, working out for me. We definitely do. We um we normally start, you know, before the sun goes down. You know, it's funny we always have this joke uh, at my house cuz they're always eating around like 3 or 4 and I don't even get home from work, you know, till like 5 or 6. So Shabbat's like the late day. So like she's like usually messaging me so when are you coming home? When are you coming home? Trying to get me home so that, you know, she can feed the kids and calm everybody down and you know, get them off her back and all that stuff. But, but the Shabbat is awesome. And I, I have to say this, you know, for those of you that are listening that, you know, maybe you've been doing the Shabbat for a long time. Maybe you've only been doing it for, um, you know, a little while, or maybe you've never experienced a, uh, you know, a Shabbat. Um, you know, I would recommend it for anybody It has changed my life. Um, you know, I look forward to the Shabbat every week. Uh, that, you know, you go through, you work, you toil, you do all these things that you have to do, but guess what? The Sabbath is coming. Um, you know, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And if you can, can do that and love it and appreciate it, um, you know, really just, it, it, it blesses you and it, it is intrinsically a blessing, but then it also provides other blessings that you wouldn't even imagine. That's awesome. You know, once again, you know, it's a principle, you know, but it is a commandment and you can do it. And so that's one of the things that's really being restored, uh, back to us is the Shabbat. Uh, matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's public records, but I think the Pope put something out that we as Christians should be celebrating the Shabbat like the Jewish people. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I do believe I, I saw an article in regards to that, you know, and I think even the Pope was having to put himself in quarantine. And uh, once again, you know, we know that the quarantine is even found in the Bible. Yeah. But the Shabbat is a form of yeah. quarantine. Put him outside the camp. You're, you're, you're at home. You're not running around. You know, we have a purpose. So we're moving on here. So that's Shabbat, you know, Shabbat, Shabbat's coming. So uh, we continue on in Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 through 19, are, are, of course, the building materials. This is where you get, of course, Lowe's and Home Depot. The building materials. Uh, and so in Exodus 35, 5, it says, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And he goes on to talk about all this other stuff. But God wanted it from a willing heart. He wants it from a willing heart. He actually says it, a willing heart. You know, I always say you give to what you believe in. Amen to that. You know, some of you believe in Starbucks. You got to go to Starbucks. You got to get a coffee. You know, it's real coffee. It's good grade coffee. You're going to go and you're going to pay that money and you're going to have that cup of coffee. You're going to yeah. have that latte, you know, just like what, if I were to go in there or something and, and order something, you know, it's a... Uh, 
you know, uh, a latte with six sugar stirred with love, extra hot. Right, brevet. Brevet. A brevet. brevet. Yeah. No foam. <laughs> but once again, you give to what you believe in. And yeah. that's why even the community is so important, you know. Uh, just like uh, McDonald's or the Big Mac or whatever it is, that secret sauce or whatever it is, you know, you, you believe in it. It's Thousand Island dressing. Okay, but, but what I'm saying is that <laughs> if you believe in something, you're going to give to it. Yeah. You know, wherever your heart is. That's where your treasure is. And I can tell you this is true, you know, from an underwriting standpoint and financial services and stuff, you know, we get bank statements, you know, um, from clients and uh, you can tell when you look at somebody's bank statement, what they believe in and what they, they put their time and resources to what, what I should say what they value. You could see what they value right there in, uh, in it. So if people value cars and houses, you'll see big payments and and stuff like that. That's interesting, you know, and also uh, on the same note here, uh, if you think about it, you know, they've, they've done some studies with some of uh, these universities. Uh, actually, it's a, uh, a public university. Um, and they actually have found that those that give tithes and offerings and, and give and attend church on a regular basis are healthier and happier than those that don't. They've actually done studies on this. So uh, that's public records as well. So the offering was for the work of the tabernacle. You know, we have a beautiful tabernacle. Matter of fact, our, our ministry was founded... Uh, on a ministry called Tabernacles of Praise. That's right. Which was a dance ministry. So we're Tabernacles. So Pastor Tifa came up with Tabernacles of Praise Dance Ministry. So actually we were founded on the dance. And we can get into all that in Jeremiah 31 about how the dance is being restored. And of course how it's been hijacked by, by Hollywood or the media or whatever it is. Entertainment. Dance with the stars. So you think you can dance. It's all a knockoff of God's original purpose of the Davidic dance that's being restored. And we can see that actually uh, in, in our, uh, uh, our church today. Uh, and so the rulers, uh, they brought for their offering onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice uh, and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The, uh, the rulers brought their offerings. You know, I've always said that if you're in leadership, if you're a leader, you have to give more than the lay people. Uh, financially, with your time, you'll find yourself, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll buy stuff for the church. I don't want to be reimbursed. Yeah. I, I call it an offering, you know. Sure. Hey, you know, I, I bought toilet paper, you know. You know, that's a secular idea, too, uh, out there in kind of the business entrepreneurial world, is they say the type of customer you are is the type of customer you'll attract. And if you're uh, the type of customer that, you know, believes in value and, and believes in paying, you know, big money for, for big value then you're going to attract those types of customers. But if you're a cheapskate and, you know, you're always trying to, you know, nickel people down and everything like that and you know, negotiate, interesting. you're going to get those types of customers. And it's just an interesting, because your mindset is just in that manner. So I think it's the same thing with leadership in, you know, in, in God's organization, right? That how we give and how we, um, you know, behave and how we lead others is how it's those type. We're going to attract those people to us. That's awesome. You know, and once again, an evil eye means to be stingy. You know, yeah. Uh, so in Exodus chapter 35, verse 29, continuing on in this theme, uh, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. So here's a question, Ryan. Why do some people serve with a willing heart and others do not serve at all? Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a, a big. Is it selfishness? Uh, well, I would it, think selfishness. So you too. say self, selfishness. I think it's more self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Because I think people can be self-centered without realizing it, right? It's it's what the I want. It's how I feel. That's good. It's how, you know it's that that 
that whole thing rather than being others focused and and community focused and you know giving more than than you accept i've heard it once said before that um the definition of maturity or you reach maturity when you think of others at least 51 percent of the time you know and yourself 49 percent, right so you know, you're pushing that out that that you mature when you start serving what's you know, the complete jewish bible translation you do unto others as you would like for them to do unto you yeah but they don't really do that for you. No, it's the golden you would like rule. like for right. them to do that unto you. So once again, you know, we have some exciting things here, you know, and, and even uh, with this podcast and even our church, you know, you, you can go online uh, and, and give towards towards what we're doing in this podcast and everything. You know, you don't have to attend. You don't have to be there. But you can actually uh, tap into, you know, what you believe in. Absolutely. You know, and I, I'm blessed to have uh, Ryan here, uh, faithful as he is to pull this off as well and take time out of his busy schedule to, to do this with me. And it's really worked out really great by the grace of God. Amen. But like I said, if, if you want to give towards the bait to heal and towards this podcast, it really does help the community. It helps everything we're doing even now. And, and just even, even a dollar, $5, it doesn't matter, but it does really make a difference. It all helps, you amen. know? And so we definitely have uh, you know, electric bills and, and, and all these other things going on. But once again, we're excited because why? Because we we have a servant's heart. We have a willing heart to to want to give this to you, especially those of you that are trying to seek answers and make sense of this, that, hey, we're all in this together, and that's why we do it. We want to encourage you. And with that, you know, everybody's important listening to this podcast, just like this uh, this this next portion is that God chose uh, two incredible people, two craftsmen uh, named Bezalel and Aholiab. Uh, Basilia was the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and then Aholiab was the son of Ahisamech of the tribe of Dan. Now, Aholiab was the assistant to Basilia, okay? And I love what their names mean, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I share this, I know. Basilia, his name means in the shadow or protection of God. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, Aholiab, his name means father's tent. So what is he doing? He's building the He's Father's He's got tent. God's best interest in mind. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. So God gives you gifts and talents. Are you using it for God? Yeah, but they're building the tabernacle. They are building, building the tabernacle. Father's tent. Self-explanatory, you know. <laughs> father's tent. So check this out. So we're moving on here. We go into Exodus chapter 36 at the very beginning, uh, verses 1 through 7. They have more than enough given for the tabernacle. And, of course, Moses gives a commandment to all the people not to bring any more materials to build the tabernacle because they had received all they needed. That is outstanding. And so as we get into this uh, structure here, it's very fascinating because, remember, the pattern that was shown Moses is in heaven. And, yeah. I've, and I've shown this before, and I could share it again, but in the book of Revelation, you can find the tabernacle furniture in heaven, a lot of it. Uh, it's a nice little study to do. But once again, uh, that's the pattern. On earth as it is in heaven is even part of our prayer. Uh, and of course, uh, I'll tell you what, what was made after the curtains and the coverings, uh, but the boards for the tabernacle of Sheatim wood standing up. Okay. Wow. And of course, uh, they made 40 sockets of silver to go under the boards. 40 sockets of silver to go under the boards. And silver means redemption. Silver is always redemption. And now, uh, the boards and the bars were overlaid with gold. Gold is deity or the Godhead. Think about it. Gold is, is the king. It's the head. You know, it's interesting. And, uh, and he made a veil uh, of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen with cherubims made he it of cunning work. Exodus 36, 35. Check that out. 
a veil of blue and purple and scarlet. Okay, blue is, represents the heavens, the color blue. Purple's royalty and scarlet. Red is, of course, atonement, redemption. Yeah. And fine twine linen with cherubims made he it of cunning work. So God had inscribed like an embroidery, cherubs on the curtains. And who was a cherub that we know of in the Bible? Uh, could it be Satan? Satan Lucifer? is a cherub. And cherubim is plural. So the cherubim uh, are actually God's guardians, you know, and so they're very important. There are seraphim, there are cherubims. So this is a, an angel study that you can all do later. I know the Jewish people are fascinated with angels. They did some, they got some pretty good studies out there. But the bottom line is that uh, a cherub means a lot to the Lord, that if he would put them on a curtain, he's like, hey, they're around me. You know, and that's the two cherubim are on the uh, mercy seat. There were two cherubim guarding the entrance to the tree of the knowledge of, 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 of good and evil and, of course, of life. They were put at that entrance. And so, once again, the cherubim are definitely one of God's creations. Um, and we have, of course, four pillars were, were put before the holy place, which is the holy of holies. And we have, of course, five pillars uh, uh, were before the holy place where the lamp stood still. So think right. about that. So four before the most holy place right? and five before the holy place. Right. So if you look at the five, that's before... That's where you walk into the actual tent. So you're in the courtyard. You actually walk in the tent. The, the inner court. Right, inner court. Where the now the holy of holies, which is where the which is behind the veil, would have would have of course um, they would have uh, I want to say four. Right. So before behind where the veil is before the ark, <coughs> and then for t when you're going to enter into the tabernacle into the room where the menorah, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense is, the, yeah, the five columns. The five are, columns. Or, yeah, or, or you could see it from the outer court. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. we got to get those numbers right. Every year we do this. Every yeah, we do. <laughs> you know, it's funny because five is grace, but also think about the five books of the Bible. Yeah. Torah, yeah. But you would think, okay, the five columns would be before the Ark of the Covenant, but they're not. It leads you to the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, yeah. So meaning when you pull back the curtain, you're in the inner court, the five columns, five is grace and all that yeah. to get you in there. So uh, here's all the things that Bezalel made for the tabernacle. Check this out. Uh, he made the Ark. The mercy seat. Uh, he made, of course, the table of showbread, all vessels, lampstand, incense altar, holy anointing oil. Wow. The altar, uh, of course, uh, the labor. And it's all right there. So uh, that's what he did. Basically, it made for the tabernacle. And that's a lot of stuff in regards to the tabernacle furniture. Just remember, there are six pieces of... Uh, of furniture in the tabernacle six is the number for man mm -hmm. it's not a bad meaning for for man is six it's not bad and then nope. when you think about six 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 it's like a kind of like a false godhead yeah man trying to do something that only god can do so think about that so three sixes um and so to collect uh and to make the labor they had to collect uh looking glasses from the women like their little mirrors you know uh and it's made of what brass and brass represents what judgment so you have the brazen altar, the brazen laver. This all represents judgment. And two is the number needed for witnesses. And that's the outer court. And you're exposed to the elements. So these are all things to consider. And there's only one way in and one way out is the east entrance. So consider all of this, everyone. It's pretty outstanding. So that's actually the Torah portion for uh, Vayichel. And he assembled. Um, and I would say if I had to make a, a, a main point here, 
uh, I would say stick to the pattern. Don't reinvent the wheel. That's my little saying. Uh, don't reinvent the wheel. Stick to the pattern. Uh, a lot of us are trying to figure out ways to live our life and to do things. Well, God gives us, of course, the teachings and instructions. Any, any, any thoughts on that, Ryan, that you would say? What really stands out to you on that particular one? Uh, I mean, the whole tour portion seems like kind of a repeat of stuff that we've already just recently covered in other That's tour right. portions. And so it's just kind of cool to me because it's like, hey, you know what? Um, I anointed these men, you know, Bezalel and Aholiab. Um, I'm telling you the Shabbat is important. I'm showing you all of the cool things that people did to build me a home for me to dwell in. Uh, these things are important to me. And so, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and repeat it, right? What does it say? It's a good rabbi repeats himself. Um, cause the people didn't get it the first time I guarantee you. Right. That's really good. So is, that's, that's kind of what I get out of this because although it does seem like a repeat, it's, um, it's, it's really good because, you know, God is, uh, God is on the move and he's, he's doing everything for a purpose, right? That you read it and then you're, Hey, you know what? Did you catch all these things? Here's are the things I want to emphasize on. Let me, let me repeat these things. So, all right, so moving into Pekudei, Reckonings. Um, this one, again, uh, starts in Exodus chapter 38 and verse 21, right where we just ended, and um, ends at the end of the book of Exodus in chapter 40 and verse 38. And so um, we're starting in this section, uh, the sum of the tabernacle. And in verse uh, 23, it says, And with him was Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and a cunning workman, and an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and in fine linen. So uh, it almost seems like uh, Bezalel was the craftsman, right, where he would do the building, and then the decorations and things and the, the, the finishing, you know, uh, artistic works was done by Aholiab. Um, yeah, it says right here, real quick, uh, Ryan, Exodus 31, verse 6, and I, and I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. So he's like an assistant. Yeah. He comes alongside Bezalel, seems like the foreman or whatever. But Aholiab is also a part of this as well. He says, And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, uh, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Yeah. Wow. That is, it's cool. It's cool. And so, um, so I got a question for you then. How about this? Bezalel and Aholiab used their gifts to help build the tabernacle. How are you using your gifts in the kingdom of God? Boy, doesn't that go back to the uh, parable of the talents? It sure does. You know, when you, when you think about even, even your own personality and talents and gifts that God has given you, uh, we should be using them for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, I know my gift is public relations. I love people. God wants me to unite people, get people together. And so he made me a pastor. And it's really needed in the days in which we live to, to be a shepherd today. Uh, when Yeshua was here the first time, he looked out over the people and he said, you know what? I feel sorry for all these people hmm. for they have no shepherd. Yeah. So it's kind of a love-hate relationship as well. I know a lot of clergy gets a bad rap, televangelists and all these other things. But just remember this, uh, clergy or, or spiritual leaders, pastors uh, are here to help the people. Yeah. So remember that they're the coach, they're the cheerleader, they're on your side, and they're here to assist you and help you. And listen, if they don't have empathy or feelings towards people or they don't have good public relations, they should not be a shepherd. Because remember, I think the shepherd should smell like the sheep. Oh. He should be attainable, he should be associated, he should be a part of everything, but the shepherd should smell like the sheep. Uh, it's kind of interesting, too, if you ever see these old depictions of a shepherd guarding his flock, you know, there's like this little walled 
area in and there's this opening and the shepherd would sleep in the opening uh, yeah. and protect the sheep. So nothing could get in, nothing can get out. Pretty cool. I've, I've got actually a drawing of this. They, they depicted that this is what the shepherds would do. Yeah. Boy, that's, that's hardcore. So once again, you know, I would say this though, God's given every one of you talents. That's right. And they are for the kingdom of God, you and, know. You and know. you know, the good shepherd, Yeshua, right? So uh, David in the Psalms, right, in Psalm 23, he says he lacks nothing. But why does he lack nothing? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? Or, well, or another good shepherd, I lack he? nothing. He's the good shepherd. Amen. So what an awesome, uh, awesome time to be living in. So Ryan, if you want to continue on there, but once again, like I said, uh, and just real quickly here, just talking about the community. Uh, as Passover is coming, I believe that God is forcing this quarantine or forcing people uh, in their homes and, and not to go out uh, to the degree that, you know, the very first Passover in Exodus 12 was the family Passover. So why is this relevant for the question? Well, it's simple because here's the thing. If you've got good families, healthy families, you're going to have a healthy community. If your families are broken and there's no divine order yeah. and the man's not looking to Christ, you know, and, and, and of course, he's dropping the ball and the, and, the, and the kids are rebellious and all this stuff is happening. You don't have divine order. You know, well, then you know what? You need to fix it. Yeah. Because you're only as strong as your families. Now, why do I say this? Because in Deuteronomy 16, we move into the congregational Passover, which is going to be found in Jerusalem at three times a year. You are to come up. But these are the families. But if families are dysfunctional, Ryan, and not operating properly, your community is going to be lacking you know, it's funny you so, say that i, I heard just, some you know, i heard some commentary on that about divine order and um about you know kind of just the economics of today in western society and how you know basically we have to have two parents working you know just as an idea and uh this this virus is causing all the schools to close so what happens what do you send your kids to daycare i mean why would we close the schools and not close daycares right but Parents have to work, especially single parents and things like that. So it's almost like in these types of cases, divine order really helps, right? If you have a, a wife and a mother, right, who is, is taking on a, 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 you know, a strong uh, role in that manner, then it's no big deal. This is something that people can handle, right? Oh, the kids are home from school. Great. You know, guess what? They get to spend time with the person who really should be sewing into their lives anyways, right? That's true. But... You know, unfortunately, we, we don't have divine order in the manner that we, we should or could. And that, listen, I'm not saying all women should be at home barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. You can save, you know, the emails on that piece of it. What I am saying is that there is a divine order and that uh, God created us with different gifts and talents so that we could, you know, complement one another. And so in these types of cases, when emergencies happen, it's good for the man to be able to step up go out and continue to do what has to be done in order to earn and provide and bring things, you know, back to the home. And that's um, divine order. If you go is. back and study Genesis, when God created man in his own image, man is to provide, protect, and have dominion. Amen. Uh, and, and like I said, a marriage is a king and a queen together, walking side by side, but each one knows their role. That's great, you know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Ryan, you want to continue on here in the uh, in the precious metals? And, I do, I do, I do. I like precious and the metals. shekel. Hey, you know, if um, if you had invested in gold and silver recently... Uh, and the stock market tanks and the dollar uh, tanks because they're doing quantitative easing, then um, you're going to be pretty happy because uh, gold and silver kind of go through the roof in times like this. Um, and so the question begs, uh, what are the three precious metals used in the construction of the tabernacle? It's gold, silver, and brass. Three precious metals. Three precious metals. 
Um, and then, you know, moving on to verse 26 here. Um, this is an interesting little statistic for you. Uh, chapter 39, verse 26 says, A bell and a pomegranate... Oh, I am on the wrong chapter. That's 39, verse uh, 26. I meant to read 38, verse 26. Sorry. I get myself backwards. It says, A becca for every man, that is half a shekel, after the shekel of the sanctuary for every one that went uh, to be numbered from the 20 years old and upward for 600,000 three uh six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty six hundred three thousand five fifty okay yes rain man yes <laughs> definitely definitely six so that's just the males imagine that there's no women no children and they counted six hundred three thousand five hundred and fifty and here's the deal right so this is the way they're doing a, it's a census it's the way they're doing a census right but you had to bring your offering and so this is actually six hundred three five hundred fifty who brought the half shekel amen and they're over 20 that's right. And it's just men. That's right. Wow, that's interesting. So once again, you know, we don't know how many people came out of Egypt. So add up the wives and children. They're saying two and a half million at least. Wow. And our congregation is 150. Like I can't handle 150. Oh, man. And Moses is, is leading a couple million people. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, we move on in Exodus 39 verses 1 through 14 with the making of the priest's clothes. Uh, and of course, the... Uh, uh, God did require the priesthood to wear special clothing. Uh, we can see that. And then, of course, uh, you know, it's interesting. They have like, their own uniforms, though. You know, there's a lot of debate about how you should dress up for church. And, and I would say dress clothes. I mean, I don't think you should be wearing like flip flops and shorts in church. I think there's a uniform. I think there's an honor there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying a three piece suit with a tie, but I'm saying that you should have some dress clothes on like a like a collared shirt and your dockers and your loafers or whatever. But I mean, that's just me when I'm thinking about it. I don't think you just slept in there with just anything, you know. But once again, uh, there was a uniform for the priests. Uh, and, of course, we move into the breastplate. And uh, we have, of course, uh, four rows of stones were on the breastplate. And in each row, there were three stones. That's right. Uh, that's right. So we have uh, 12 stones for the 12 tribes. Uh, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, you guys are familiar with your birthstone, what month you're born. Yeah. Interesting. Well, to counterfeit. Yeah, it is. How about the Chinese zodiac? Right now, we're in the year of the rat. I was born in the year of the tiger. See, my wife and I are both sheep. (laughs) Led to to the slaughter. Yeah. So anyway, uh, here's an interesting point. Like I said, the breastplate, very interesting. Over the heart, right? Yeshua is our high priest. Uh, In Exodus chapter 39, verse 14, And the stones were according to the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, Everyone with his name according to the 12 tribes. Once again, Exodus 39, 14. Now, I want to throw something out there to you because so many times we think we have to have all the answers. So as we look at this, there's 12 tribes. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I know what exact tribe I'm from, but what I would like to say is this. And uh, this is the question that I want to ask, and then you can, you can throw this out to anybody. Do you believe that all of the tribes, the 12 tribes, or the house of Israel is Jewish? Is it made up of nothing but the natural branches or Jews? Um, pick me, pick me, pick me. Yes, I see that hand. No. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Think about it. Twelve tribes. You have non-Jews and you have Jews. And we're grafted in. Okay, think about it. The root is Yeshua. The olive tree represents Israel. So just think about that. Because if, if this is the case, if there's 7 billion people and the house of Israel has to be nothing but Jews, think about this. 
you only got what 15 million israelites yeah i think that israel is bigger than we even know it is bigger than we even know and how has this been hijacked but through replacement theology (laughs) you know it's like me i've got seven children they're all different different temperaments different personalities but once again god didn't make one tribe no. He made 12. So what I just encourage you that if you're drawn to the, to the things that are Jewish or different things and you're not Jewish, it's okay. You're a non-Jew. You're a Gentile. You're the nation's coming back. You are a wild branch, and I think I love you. Wild thing, I think I love you. But I want to know for oh, sure. Oh, you're going to know for sure. <laughs> so we're having fun. We we're, cl- we're closing out this incredible book. And, and so we get into now uh, the, the two things that can be found on the hem of the robe of the high priest— Bells and pomegranates. And, and think about it. What does a pomegranate do? Uh, it has lots of seeds. Antioxidants. That's right. Yeah. Antioxidants. They're saying that there's a, over 600 seeds in a pomegranate. Oh, that, that's right. They say there's over, uh, it's usually 613, they Something, say. Right? I don't know about it. That'd One for of, every command. Can you imagine cutting open a pomegranate and counting all the seeds? I've mm, never done that. Nope. Now, somebody's thinking right now. Yeah. I'm going to go to the store, and hopefully there's a pomegranate. Yeah. There probably is. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> and I'm going to cut this thing and count the seeds. Yeah. And maybe you could respond back to us. Hey, guys, yeah. a little homework assignment for somebody. Okay, email us back and let us know. We cut a pomegranate, and we counted all the yeah. seeds. How Ryan at topraise.net. Ryan at topraise.net. A little homework assignment for you. I know some of you are at home just wanting something to do. <laughs> uh, one of my sons is, is putting a 750-piece puzzle together. And he took that off. Think, oy vey, that's a lot of pieces. Yeah, good for him. So once again, uh, and of course we have, uh, as we're looking at the, we have the breastplate. We have this this uh, beautiful robe of the high priest. The hem of it is got bells and pomegranates, uh, and of course we have uh, this this holy crown of pure gold and on engraved on it that the high priest wore was holiness to the Lord, holiness to the Lord. So as we move into Exodus chapter 39, verse 43, Ryan could read that. I'm going to let him take it from here and, and share this beautiful outline that we have so we can encourage all of you as we are concluding the final portion of, of the book of Exodus. So, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, 39, 43, what does it say? We're, we're doing a, uh, a review now, right, obviously, of Ooh. all of the, the things that they built uh, when it comes to the tabernacle. And uh, it's come to an end, and right here in verse 43, it says, And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. So amen. Well, well how cool is that? that, that he comes in, he does his inspection, and, and Moses says, this is, this is what God showed me. This is it. This is what God showed oh, me. Oh, man, that is awesome. It is, man. It's just like God showing us the Hebrews of the Christian faith, and we're doing it here as a community. That's right. And so here's he the question. It to us. Here's the question. How important is it for us to bless one another? That is good. Yeah. Yeah, without, without any, uh, what do you call it, wrong motives. Yeah, right. You know, I, I've, it's so funny. Somebody would say something, why did you do this? I said, because I can. Well, and look well, how why not? Look you know? at how blessings uh, have been kind of, you know, I don't want to say like saying bless you or whatever, right? We say bless you when you sneeze, right? Sneezing is not quite a blessing, right? But we say bless you when you sneeze. And then what else do we do? We say, oh, bless your heart as like a sideways insult, you know? And so that's the way the enemy tries to, to steal away, you know, actually speaking life and, and blessing one another, you know? And, and You know, I was reading this book about emotions and talking about blessing somebody or, or God puts somebody on your heart or whatever you do, whether it's financial or a phone call or a word from the Lord, 
Like, really? The Lord put you on my heart? You know, and yeah, you know, people are amazed. Yeah. But that's, that's like blessing people. But I'll tell you, Ryan, I was reading this, this, this magazine. It was talking about emotions and uh, emotional intelligence and different things. And, and they actually said that when you surprise somebody, it just enhances their well-being and their emotions. That when you surprise somebody with something good or a gift or something, it actually it, it actually fights depression and oppression. It actually can can bring them out of a you know a bad place or whatever. But he said if you can surprise somebody, hmm. you, their emotions are enhanced. That's good. It brings excitement and like it just releases something for sure inside the being. So pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So uh, moving on now. Well, wait, wait. Oh. How important is it to bless one? That's one of the things that was given to Abraham. You will be a blessing to others. That's right. That's, That's right. why we have to bless the Jewish people as Christians. Well, if we're sons of Abraham, then that's we what better. I'm saying. That's yeah. what I love about that. You know, he says you will be a blessing to others. That's right. And that's really cool. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now moving on to chapter 40, we are making it. We're almost there, folks, almost to the end of the book of Exodus. Setting up the tabernacle. Oh, isn't it exciting? So now we've got it all built, and now we're going to put it together. Or we got all the pieces built, now we're going to put it together. It's like Legos, right? Now we dump out the bags. So when was the tabernacle commanded by the Lord to be set up? On the first day of the first month, which is Nisan. Wow. Okay, so the first day of the first month, we get the tabernacle set up. So this is good. This is just in time for Passover. And so what did they do with the anointing oil? Well, I'm glad you asked. They anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. So, you know, when you move into a new home, you know, and you go and you anoint, you know, the house and the doors and the kitchen and everything, you know, they've, you know this house is um, at the service of the Lord, right? And we anoint it, you know, uh, to keep, you know, the good things in and the bad things out, you know, all those, those types of things. Invite the Holy Spirit. Hey, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit is is, is It's setting here. it apart. That's right. And That's you right. blow the shofar. Right, right. Put up the mezuzahs. Right, and so um, you know, Aaron and his sons washed themselves with water at the door of the tabernacle to get ready uh, for the the first service, and um, and it says that uh, the anointing of Aaron and his sons was to allow them an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Did you go over the? Uh, they were washed with water. I sure did. We just did. I that. was daydreaming. You were, because yeah. when the when the priest would go into the tabernacle, the first thing they did was wash their hands and feet. That's right. Interesting. You must have been. Catch- wow. And think about it right now, Ryan. <laughs> I know. I was, right. I was daydreaming. Catching flies. I was. I was daydreaming. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're supposed to wash our hands. Yeah. That's why they try to throw the uh, the. Uh, it's biblical. What, the excuses of the bubonic plague on the Jewish people because yeah. they're like, you know, why weren't they getting sick? Ah, uh, yeah. The Jewish population, because they washed, is because they had, and stuff. They, they, yeah. they, they they had the hand washing. Yeah, what? Well, not wow. just hand washing and mixing. There's actually a prayer, a blessing over yeah. the hand washing, and there's a hand washing cup. Right. Yeah. Who's laughing now? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's just it, right? I mean, God gave the prescription, right, to to wash. I mean, how I know funny is Rabbi that? Messer was talking about if you have this image in your head that you just can't get out, if you're just bogged down with something. To, to, to get some running water, put your hands under it and go over your hands with the running water and close your eyes and say a prayer and say, Lord, release me from this bad image or this yeah. picture of my mind. Right, right, right. And the water hitting your hands actually helps to actually make that come to pass. That's, wow, that's interesting. I know. It, it, it works. I've done it. So, um, so Aaron says they wash themselves with water. They're anointed with oil. Um, and then now uh, Moses places the Ark of the Testimony um, or I'm sorry, the, the testimony inside the ark. She puts the tablets in the ark. 
Uh, and now uh, Aaron and his sons and Moses, they put the water into the laver. And what do they do? Just like you said, they wash their hands and feet. And, uh, and who finishes the work of setting up the tabernacle? None but Moses, right? You know, whoever gets the vision, Ryan... Yeah, has to work the hardest. Well, this is kind of like the cutting. It's so true. The like ribbon my son cutting. Josiah, you know. Oh yeah. With Esther the musical, he got the vision. That was he wrote awesome. the script. So good. He really he yeah. had to work the hardest. He sure and did. even even clean up and follow. He's still here now. <laughs> He's yeah, still right. cleaning up. I did. I just saw him. Yeah. You know, and and so, um, but it's true though. Like you know, Moses. Um, you know, you know when you start the the groundbreaking or whatever, or somebody puts on like the last little nail or something, you know, ceremonially. So Moses comes and he finishes up the the work of setting up the tabernacle. So all the way back then, this tradition, you know, uh, wow. Moses kept it right. And before we broke ground, we had a wine libation. We oh, poured yeah. a bottle of wine out my wife and I on the property before they actually broke ground. Yeah, we dedicated the the property with a yeah. wine libation. Praise God, that's yeah. great. There you go. That's great. And so all of this work has been done, and you know. It, you always wonder is, hey, hey, did I do what I was supposed to do? Well, here it is. Moses gets the answer. The glory of the Lord filled the you tabernacle. you got to read that, Ryan. Exodus 40, 34. Here's the climax. Oh, yeah. Here it is. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wow. And so the last verse of chapter 40, this is it. This is the end of Exodus. It says, For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, and in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Wow. And so as the Father continues to build our community, what do you love most about Beit Tehillah, Pastor Nick? That I get to be the pastor. That's cool, yeah. So I'm just leading, you know, people like me. Yeah, I love the people, you yeah. know. Leading people like me. I love know, the families. The, the wild branches here. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the corporate anointing is greater than an individual anointing. Oh, absolutely. Without the greatest doubt. presence of God that I've ever experienced is not alone, yeah. but with others. That's right. I mean, we can get revelation on our own and get yeah, visions, yeah, but never but like. But boy, it's nothing like right. being in a room and then you see the, the, the haze. Oh, yeah. The cloud that's coming right. in there. You know, I think that's uh, that to me is outstanding. And we don't even have um, a smoke machine. No, we don't. So if you think about it, uh, Passover is coming up. Uh, so April 8th is, of course, the uh, uh, the 14th of Nisan, and that evening, Wednesday evening. But once again, we're going into a biblical new year. And wasn't it on the first day? The first day of the first month, yeah. Of the first month. Yeah. And so that would be what day coming up here? You want to get the calendar right it's here? It's right there. It says uh, it's going to be I don't know about the biblical new year. March 25th? No. Yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah. March 25th in the evening is a biblical new year. There we go, first month. Yeah, six days out. Nissan. I used to have a Nissan. <laughs> or also aka abib so think about it for all of you that didn't do your new year's resolutions in the gregorian calendar yeah you have a biblical new year coming that's right not a civil new year which is of course 5780 that happened last fall right but we are of course going into a biblical new year everybody mm -hmm. wow think about what's happening right now god wants to make everything new you know just trying to eradicate this virus you know think about it. trying to make everything new we have this so once again um once again, uh, the family Passover becomes a congregational Passover, and uh, that's what we're looking forward to. Amen. All right, guys. Wow. Thank you so much for, for showing up today. Uh, we've got a special treat for you. Um, you know, we, uh, we believe in the arts around here, and uh, we believe in expressing um, our faith through praise and with worship and, uh, and through song and, and through instruments. And so 
Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to do a little bit of that now. All right. So the tabernacle's fully erected, it's fully up, and of course, uh, now we can actually have access. And once again, the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Uh, and of course, when Yeshua died on the cross. So this is a song we would like to dedicate to Yeshua and to all those that love him and thank him for giving us access to the Father. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place past the brazen altar Lord I want to see your face pass me by the crowds of people the priests who sing your praise oh I hunger and thirst for your righteousness and it's only found in one place take me in to the holy of holies take me in by the blood of the lamb take me in to the holy of holies take the coal touch my lips here i am take me in to the holy of holies take me in by the blood of the lamb take me in to the holy of holies take the coal touch my lips here i am hallelujah man i'll tell you what just just think about the tabernacle, enter into the presence of God, and just receive His Spirit uh, and His peace upon you guys, man. Because uh, in times that are uncertain like this, we should be closer and closer to Yeshua, closer to God. Just, um, you, know, you know, pressing in in prayer, uh, reading our Bibles, getting our news from the Scriptures uh, like never before. So, um, we are here for you guys. If uh, you need anything, you need prayer, you have concerns or anything like that, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, give me a holler. Um, my uh, my email address is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. You can also reach Pastor Nick that way as well. Um, you can email him there too. Um, and uh, if you need anything from the office, it's 813-654-2222. Uh, for those of you that um, you know are either far away or at home, uh, you can live stream our services from... Um, from twopraise.net, also from all of our social media platforms. And then uh, you can also uh, donate on our website at twopraise. We appreciate that. Not, and net. so in closing here, just one last thought, Ryan, that we say this blessing when we finish the oh, book right. of the Bible, the Man. book of Exodus. Yes. It is, of course, going to start tomorrow night. We're going to finish it up. It's Hazak, Hazak, Vanish Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. Hallelujah, guys. Have a great week.